You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. But they want to quarrel in verse 2 with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? Verse 3. But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. Why did you bring us up out of the Egypt? They forgot the whole Red Sea experience. They're not even bringing up Pharaoh's army dying. They're not even honoring this man for what he's done so far with God. Don't allow your current needs keep you out of being in the season of having the believer's advantage. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us our children livestock die of thirst? Here it is. Then, verse 4. Then Moses cried out to the Lord. Someone cry out to God real quick. Say, God, I need you. <clears throat> Moses cried out to the Lord. What am I supposed to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. Verse 5 is where innovative instructions show up. I'm going to help you out because some of us are looking for God to fix something when he was going to give you the answer so you can fix it. See, having the believer's advantage doesn't mean God comes in swooping down and working his magic. It means God might empower you with an idea that gives you an advantage over chaos like Moses is about to walk into. Let's see what Moses does in verse 5. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Since they don't believe you're a good leader, take with you some other leaders. You see that? Take with you some elders of Israel. Don't just do this by yourself because they're questioning you. Bring your squad with you. My God. Go out in front of the people. Sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta switch it up on folk. You, you got, you, I gotta remind you that I ain't by myself. They, they were coming from Moses, thinking that Moses, you alone. Let me remind my God. Like, Let me remind these grumbling people that you not just a leader. You got other leaders rocking with you. Verse five. Someone say innovation. The Lord answered Moses, "Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff." The same staff that they, that they got familiar with. The staff that they, re, they saw me do miracles through. They tripping. They tripping about what you used last time, forgetting that God can do it again. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of, of Horeb. Now, I hope you're following me because I'm about to give you a pop quiz. Because I want to make sure you're getting this. Because it's not just to be hype. It's supposed to be help. So pop quiz time. Was it Moses' rod or staff alone that caused the water to pour out the rock? Okay. I'm going to say it again. It's good. I want to I hear crowd participation. Was it the rod and staff alone that caused the water to pour out the rock? Let's keep reading in verse 6. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. If you look at the earlier part of verse 6, here's what God's saying in verse 6. I will stand be there before you by the rock of Horeb. What God said is this. I thought I didn't have an example, but I sort of did. God's like, bring your rod over here. I'll, they can't see me. I'm in a different realm. But I'm standing by your situation to give you an advantage. Lord, help us not have too much church. I feel that God helping me right now. Listen here real quick. I'm going to stand by the situation that's hard. 
the elders are going to see you take a staff that they know is lighter and weaker than the element that you're against. You're going to walk up to something that's harder than you. You're going to, as a leader, you're going to walk up to something that's harder than you. You're going to walk up into a situation that the elements are against you. You're going to walk into a season that's stronger than you. You're going to, but you're going to take what you used the last time to, def, to defy the element. What defied the elements of water can defy the elements of the rock. The same staff. You're going to walk up to it and you're going to strike it. Once again, was it Moses' rod alone that caused the water to gush out the rock? It was God, verse 5. I will, verse 6, I will stand there before you by the rock. Right when he struck it, God said, water, come out. I'm here to tell somebody in here right now, you think it's going to be hard for you, but God said, I'm going to stand before it. I'm going to stand before it. And what was hard for them won't be hard for you because I'm going to stand before your situation. Yeah. Strike the rock and water will come out of it. And the people would drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the Lord. Verse 7, and he called the place Massah and Meribah. This is what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, my people will have more of an advantage if they start naming their last testimony. I told you innovative and creative faith. Innovation. Moses, take the rod. Strike something that's harder than your rod. Innovation. God created a technology. He allowed water. Rock. He came up with the first waterfall. Technology. God said, they ain't going to understand the quantum physics. I'm over here in the invisible realm. And when you strike it, I'm going to cause the water to come out just to mess with their mind a little bit. God could have made water come out the, God could have made water come out the rock himself and make all the people worship him alone. But God didn't just want the glory. He wanted to remind the people that he the one. Uh, See, so you dealing with some enemies. And God's like, you put your mind on me and I'll remind them. I'll remind them, don't you try her. Creative faith. Why do I call it creative faith? In verse 7, Moses names the place. He's not going to move on with his life like this didn't happen. He's going to name this place Masa and Meribah. Because the Israelites quarreled here and they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us? The second portion of Exodus 17 is in verse 8 to verse 13. Where Joshua had to face the Amalekites. And it says in verse 8, the Amalekites immediately after this miracle. Someone say immediately after. This is the believer's advantage. Immediately after Moses has the advantage over chaos and confusion by making sure his people had water. Another situation happens. Hmm. Why would the Amalekites attack them right after they just got finished drinking some water? They just needed God earlier. Oh, crap. We got to need God again. And many of us are like that. We're tired of needing God. And I told you in Romans, we're supposed to go from faith to what? You can't go from faith to faith without needing him again. Part of walking in the operational protocol of the believer's advantage is being okay with being tested in life to see if, to show life that you still need him. And believers don't whine about what God uses for the test. The believer knows that it's just an obstacle between me and God. 
It's just a rock between me. It's just another hard place. So this time it's not a rock that's showing up as opposition. In Exodus 17 and verse 8, now we see the Amalekites show up on the scene inside the scripture. And it says this, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, and I can just imagine this right now. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Wait, there's no angel that told Moses to say this. There's no vision Joshua had. There's no vision Moses had. Moses, someone said we're going from faith to faith. Moses has the momentum of the last miracle. It's causing him to have the innovative idea that I don't have to ask God, should I fight? I'm coming up with my own creative idea to tell my servant to fight. Because I realize if God can make water come out of a rock, then these Amalekites that just showed up on the scene to distract us and stress us out, they're just another obstacle. And if God can do this with me with a rod and a rock, then surely these annoying group of people, this tribe called the Amalekites, they're just between me and God. Everything in my, Moses started realizing everything in his ministry had to do between God's people and their promises. He recognized that all these enemies that were showing up, all these situations, whether it was murmuring, whether it was chatter, whether people had a problem with him being an ish, a leader, whether uh, it was Amalekites, whether they were talking about there was giants in the land, the, they were all instruments of division to keep them out of their promised land. And until you recognize that whatever you think you're going through, stop zooming in on it. Zoom out. When you, uh, when you zoom out of your situation, you'll be like, wait, all these things are in front of a promise. Every one of these things I'm going through are in front of a promise. And I'm being petty in the realm of the spirit. I'm zooming in on my storm. Oh, my God, they broke up with me. I can't believe it. But when you zoom out, you realize, why do I keep dating this type of guy? Wait. Oh, this type of personality is to keep my soul too broke, too hurt, so that Boaz can't have a whole woman when I show up. Oh, I see what's happening. The devil's trying to keep me. It's not even the dude. It's about the posture of being broken. The enemy, if I'm too broken, I can't see wholeness. So, so God, the devil will use anything to keep me broken because everything is an obstacle, obstacle between you and the promises of God. So Moses said, these are just some Amalekites. I'm standing in the momentum of my last miracle. We just got finished feeding all the children of Israel from a rock with water gushing out of it. I got momentum in my leadership. I got momentum. Someone said, believer's advantage. So what does Moses come up with the idea? I'm going to task my servant to go fight this distraction without even consulting God because I know I have permission. Because anything that stands in front of me and what God has for me, I don't have to ask God, should I curse this? I, should, I don't have to ask God, should I pray this thing away? I, I, if it's standing between me and what God already has for me, this is an issue. It's an obstacle. I have permission. Someone shout, I have permission. I have permission to attack this thing with the advantage. Ah, In Exodus 17 and verse 8, we don't see them waiting like, well, okay, next time they come, we'll defend ourselves. We, see, we say, hold up, hold up. You tried me for no reason. We see a people group that had the persona of having the advantage. And check this out. So they grabbed their swords. 
We never used these before, but we're going to use them. They grabbed, and let's keep reading. In verse 8, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of the men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Moses said, don't even bring the details to me. You choose. I'm, delega- I'm giving you delegated authority to choose whatever you want to use to whoop their tail. I'm giving you delegated authority to choose whatever you want to use to whip that devil's tail. If you want to whip him, you, whatever funding you want to use, whatever, whatever partners you want to use, whatever business strategy you want to use, God says, stop bringing up details to me that I give you permission. I've given you delegated authority over the enemy. I told you I'm calling you to end poverty in the community. Why are you talking to me? I, it's obvious that that's a partner for you because they're going to help you do this and do that. You don't have to ask me. You don't have to consult with me. Walk in your delegated authority. Walk in the delegated authority of you owning a 501c3 that's going to end poverty in your community. Well, should I mentor? You have a mentorship organization. You don't have to ask me, should you mentor? The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites and Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men. Go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff in God's hand. Here's the thing. It's obvious in the first part of Exodus chapter 17 that Moses hears what God tells him to do. But the second portion, starting at verse 8 of, of, of chapter 17, we don't see God telling Moses to tell Joshua this, and we don't see God telling Joshua this. We just see Joshua walking in a word that came from his man of God. Don't make me mess with y'all. Joshua ain't pray about it. Joshua didn't fast about it. All Joshua had was a word that came from his. I never fought before, but I'm going to fight today. Because I came to church, and they said, you're supposed to fight. I never prayed like that, but I'm going to start praying like that. Why? Because guess what? They told me I'm supposed to fight. So check this out. In verse 12, here's the innovative faith. Someone say creative and innovative faith. So as long as Moses held up his hands, which is creativity, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Advantage, disadvantage. Advantage, disadvantage. Advantage, disadvantage. When I don't worship, disadvantage. When I do worship, advantage. Somehow my marriage survives through worship. Somehow this stress does not get, I get the advantage. Yeah, yeah, come on, thank you, thank you. Somehow when I worship, the hell ain't changed. I just hover over hell a little different. Somehow it's not that it changed. I I just flew over it. I just was able to go to another altitude. Advantage, disadvantage. Advantage, disadvantage. But that's not enough. Someone say, Lord, give me some people on my team that know how to think. The Amalekites were winning. But thank, thank God for servants like Aaron and her who can tell that things shifted when Moses' hands went down. That we have the advantage when Moses, when our leader's hands are up, but we have the disadvantage when his hands are down. And even though I'm not down there on the battlefield like Joshua, because I'm not called to be, and I'm not called to advance like him. Let's stay there. 
Some of us, the reason why we don't have the advantage in our faith, we're too busy coveting someone else's system. You're not called to politics. Don't be jealous of them. You're not called to be a pastor. Don't be jealous of them. You're not called to be a model. Stop being jealous of them. You're looking at the fruit of their faith, causing you to covet their promise, but you don't want their process. The best thing you can do to get yours, someone say, baby girl, get yours. And step into your own process and allow your faith to give you the advantage where you can bear fruit. So in verse 12, innovative faith. When Moses' hands grew tired, Aaron and her, they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. Aaron and her held his, held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. A stop. There was no angel that told Aaron and her to do this. There was no vision. There was no mighty spiritual moment. It was just them thinking. They realized, they started studying, what does it take for us to have the advantage over these Amalekites? They started saying, well, what does it take for me to have advantage over these diabetes? What does it take for me to have advantage over my marriage? Maybe my voice is too high. Maybe I keep talking to him with disrespect and that man is not that disrespectful man. I'm speaking to my husband with the wounds of my broke behind past boyfriend. Causing my marriage to go downhill. What would give my marriage the advantage if I knew how to honor a man of God? I'm trying to, I'm trying to help him. I don't know what your Amalekite is. Whatever your Amalekite is, you need to stay thinking. You can't just attack this thing. You got to start studying you. You got to start studying behavior patterns. You, listen, not only that, they studied how Moses felt naturally. As much as he was a man of God, they realized that sometimes being a leader, you get tired. Which means in order to have the advantage, you got to have the right people around you when you're tired. You bring everybody so close to you, they know your business, they know your stress, they know your cuss words. They know your problems, they know your secrets, and then you wonder how they stab you in the back. You brought them too close. Aaron and her didn't try to replace Moses. Ah, when Moses, they didn't say, oh, well, I'll hold my hands up and be the high priest. They helped them. They helped them stay advanced. They helped him, I want some more. They helped him stay in the protocol of having the advantage, even though no one's looking. Back to Joshua. Joshua's on the battlefield fighting the Amalekites. He doesn't know the details of how he's winning. He doesn't know the details of how he's winning. All he knows is sometimes I'm losing, sometimes I'm winning. Sometimes I'm losing, sometimes I'm winning. Sometimes I'm losing, losing. sometimes I'm winning. I want some more tea. Sometimes I'm losing, sometimes I'm winning. They don't understand how and why this is happening. But let me tell you something. Joshua is a leader under authority. And when you're a leader under authority, you got to be okay with sometimes you're losing, sometimes you're winning. You can't be concerned with the high place you're not called to. In order to have the advantage, you got to stay in your season and handle your situation. Stop trying to level up when you're not called to level up yet. 
You're called to be where you are. And so if God told you to fight here with these babies at school, and God told you to fight here with washing these cars or fight here with building this business, stop coveting someone else's ah, hill. Stop coveting someone else's hill. Scripture says Moses went up on a hill. Joshua overcame the Amalekites. But check this out. The battle, the reason why Joshua had the advantage, Minister Sean, the reason why Joshua had the advantage, because Moses already had the battle covered. <clears throat> Moses' posture that was so prophetic, the cover, the warfare, were worship, allowed Joshua, they had the advantage without knowing how. The reason why your knucklehead child still on the earth the reason why they don't know how to say thank you yet, but one day they will, because you covering them. The reason why they won't even know until later on, man, mama, I'm so appreciative. They don't even know. Your prayers are covering them. And they're living a life just like Joshua was fighting the Amalekites. Sometimes he's winning. Sometimes he's losing. Sometimes he's winning. Sometimes he's losing. Stop freaking out when your children are, sometimes they're winning, sometimes they're losing. Sometimes they're winning, sometimes they're losing. Don't allow their inconsistency to keep you from keeping your hands over their situation. Moses did not allow any of those issues to cause him not to remain in his posture. The believer's advantage comes by way of a prophetic release. Look at your neighbor and say, what did God tell you? What did God tell you? Whether he told you directly or through another anointed person or a man or woman of God in your life, if we're your pastors here or your man or woman of God here at this church. What did God tell you? I want to just, I want to dive into what prophecy is in the time that I have. It's the foretelling because we get confused with this and we say it so loosely, but let me just highlight this because some of you all, the reason why you don't have the advantage is you are too practical. Some of us, the reason why we don't have the advantage because we're too deep. But you got to figure out how to leverage victory. <clears throat> and I just want to give you maybe a couple tools in your toolbox to help you locate yourself. So the prophecy, a prophecy is a foretelling or prediction of what is to come. It's something that is declared by a prophet or especially a divinely inspired prediction, instruction, or exhortation. Look to your neighbor and say, I didn't tell me that. See, Joshua didn't have his own word to fight the Amalekites. He was fighting them with Moses' word. Thank you, Minister Sean. I'm feeling <laughs> Moses did not have his own word regarding hitting the rock with a stick. Moses heard from God that you're going to stand, be, behold, I will stand before the rock, and you would take the stab. You would, he didn't, that wasn't his idea. Some of us, oh, help me, God. Some of us are listening to everybody else's idea of how to have the advantage in life and you have not tapped into God's idea, and let alone you don't respect God's men and women of God who help you with your ideas. I just want to say something. 
Stop backing in anointed people to your decisions. Stop backing us in. You made your decision, now you want to bring it up to me and bring it up to whatever. Hey, Pastor, I just want to let you know. Hey, bitch, I just want to let you know. You don't do that to anointed people. I just want to teach you. You let them know, Bishop, I'm thinking about doing X, Y, Z. I feel like it'll be advantageous towards me. I have this opportunity, and before I make a decision, I just want to get your heart and your mind on it. That's called humility. That's how you get pastored versus come here and just hear a speaker. Because some of you all don't have the advantage because you have a humility issue. You listen to everybody's idea and you don't give us a chance to have an idea first too. Stop allowing YouTube to speak before your woman of God. Stop scrolling on Instagram and taking that word and moving with it. And then we tell you something on Sunday, you stay with it. You don't even move. Joshua didn't have his own word. He was going to leverage victory by way of Moses' word. He did what Moses told him to do, but he was allowed to be innovative with it. Let me tell you this. Let me prove it to you. Joshua fighting the Amalekites was not Moses trying to control him. It was Moses releasing him. Let me help you out. When you're released, you're able to be innovative and come up with details on your own. Your objective is not to be controlled. Your objective is to be released. Because if I'm released by the Spirit of God, or if you want to connect it to a man or woman of God, but if I'm released from the Spirit of God, guess what? I'll have the advantage because I didn't tell this to myself. After God showed Moses how he created water out of the rock, wouldn't you have the faith to be creative and innovative and make a decision to fight something that's bothering you? Wouldn't you? If you went home and struck a rock and water came out of it. All right, here's, I'm going to give you the next principle. Some of us, we don't have the advantage because we, we don't know what to do when we have momentum. When God touches one thing, he's trying to touch something else. You're allowing the miracle to stay isolated. What Moses did was take the residue of his last experience to help him with a new one. Thank you. Somebody's hearing me. I'm trying to break it down. Moses did not ask God. Notice inside the text. Read Exodus chapter 17 for yourself. The first part, Moses cries out to God because he does not know what to do. The Amalekites, if anything, are a worse enemy than a rock. But now I recognize, what, what is God trying to show Moses the entire time? Moses, you have the believer's advantage. What you're crying out to me about, you actually can walk in authority in. So the second test, we have Moses, he doesn't cry out. He recognizes that I have permission to protect God's people. There's not a question about this. I have the advantage. Matter of fact, it's not even if we're going to fight. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you how we're going to fight. Joshua, I'm sending you. And Joshua, I'm not a micromanager. You choose the people you want to rock with in your battle. Because I'm not going to be there with you. I'm not going to choose your people. You choose who you feel like you can get groovy with. You choose people who you know are going to have your back. Because I can't fight there with you. I'm going to have to extend my hands over the warfare. But you're going to be the one swinging in the warfare. Some of us, we don't have the advantage because we don't know how to make prophetic decisions. 
We don't know how to, we don't know how to make prophetic decisions. We, we, we live our whole life thinking, what, what, I knew something told me, something told me, something told me, something told me, something told me. You, something told me, 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 something told me. You have a reactive prophetic life. Oh, that was God. How you know? Because I did get an accident. Oh, that was God. How you know? Because he did cheat on me. Reactive prophetic. You're reacting to the prophetic. And that's going to cause you much grief and it's going to cause you to slow down. How about this? How about you... Give God a chance. Move on three of those something told you. <clears throat> and see if you have the advantage. Just give it a try. If God's telling you right now to switch jobs, just try it. Switch jobs. It's not your career anyway. Switch jobs. Give it a try. And some of us, we don't have the believer's advantage because we don't know how to leverage victory. Moses leveraged victory. Moses said, God said, no, Joshua did. Joshua was like, Moses told me to do this, and I'm going to do this. I'm listening to a man who just fed us out of a rock. There's not a question. I'm not questioning his authority. I'm not questioning if I have a word or not. I'm not questioning these other guys looking at me saying, well, who told you to choose us? Who told you to go fight? He said, matter of fact, no, no, no. I'm, I'm walking in a word that, that a rock just, water gushed out of a rock. So I'm going to tell you this right now. And try not to praise too hard, business owner. The reason why you got to scale from six to seven figures is you're part of a church that built a million-dollar organization for the glory of God. And that's why you got to stop freaking out about small financial stuff and have the advantage and understand if you're connected to something at this size with this much and what God's going to do it for you. Someone shout, God's going to do it for me. Moses' strategy involved Prophetic guesstimations. I, t I know I told him what to do, but I have to make sure I still cover him. Joshua, you can go fight the Malachites. What are prophetic guesstimations? And why are they important? I call them prophetic perhaps. Someone say there's power in your perhaps. Revelation 12 and 11 says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. What do I mean by this? In 1 Samuel 14, verse 6 through verse 14, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6 through verse 14, we see Jonathan. He said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost, outpost of those uncircumcised men. Read the word out loud to me. What does it say? Per. Say it loud. Say it loud. Say it loud. Doesn't say God said. Doesn't say a vision showed me. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Perhaps, how many of y'all ever said, let's try to grow this business. Maybe God can breathe in it, but we're going to still try. But let me, here we go, here we go, here we go. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving with by many or by few. Verse 7. Do all you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with your heart and soul. Some of us don't have the advantage because you have people who are close to you who are not with your heart and soul. You're, I get it because I can be it the way. You're loyal to your own defeat and demise. So you can't, I'm going to say it, you're loyal to your own defeat and demise. 
that you'll stay with a friend that constantly, constantly enjoys your demise. They're the first one to tell you when something bad is about to happen to you. They get joy out of you being stressed. They don't eliminate it. God's saying right now, see what's happening with your soul. I feel led to stay here right now because some of us, you need to make sure the people close to you are the right people when God gives you a victory moment. And you're missing out on it. You have the wrong people in front of your burning bush. Instead of them acknowledging that God spoke to you through it because they heard God say it, they leave the burning bush experiencing, gaslighting your destiny, making you question every prophetic word on your life by bringing up pathetic seasons of your past, causing you to not step into your prophetic future. Who am I talking to? He said, go ahead. I'm with your heart and soul. John said, come on then. We'll cross over toward them. Let them see us. But here is the prophetic guesstimation. We can't just be out of order. Let's, give, let's put the Lord to the test. What did God, what did Moses tell people in Exodus chapter 17? He said, why are you mad at me? Put the Lord to the test. Jonathan in 1 Samuel 14, he said, we can't just do this yet. Let's test God with it. He said this in verse, verse 9. If they say to us, wait there, we'll come to you, we will stay here. Because we know that's basically God saying don't go up. Verse 10. But if they say to us, come up to us, we're going to climb up to them because that will be our sign. That will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. They created their own prophetic guesstimation rubric. God is challenging some of us and some of you to start coming up with ideas and strategies on how God speaks to you. Start writing down how his voice sounds to you. Start remembering what it was like to win something that you did not know how you were gonna win. Start remembering, recounting, asking God, what was that? What did we do differently? How quick did we move? Did we question, did we second guess? Who was with us? Who was with me? Well, I felt that peace. I lay hands, they recovered. Who was in the room? Who wasn't in the room? Pay attention to the prophetic guest homework. Who did I call when I was sick? How did I get healed so fast? Oh, I called Minister Joyce. I didn't call my mama. Pay attention to the momentum of your God math so you can walk and live a life of the believer's advantage. Because God has victory for all of us, but we're not leveraging it. This is not a regular perhaps. That doesn't include God. Most of the time we're saying perhaps it's negative. It's like, well, perhaps they didn't need me. A lot of times our perhaps is reactive. It's not because we have revelation. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, Jonathan's perhaps was prophetic. It came from a place of revelation. It did not come from a place of react, reactivity of, well, they laid, well, perhaps they laid me off because they need to save their money around the holiday season. That's a regular perhaps. This was a prophetic perhaps. It, it, it's the perhaps that includes God while facing opposition. It's what Peter said to Jesus, and he said, well, there's a little boy over here, but it's not enough to feed these 5,000. It's the God idea. It's the part of your 
God DNA inside of your creativity and ingenuity that gives you an advantage when you release yourself to go to a spirit-led creativity that's rooted in divine innovation. It's the part of you that you shut down because you think it's the part of you that makes you weird. It's the part of you that you can't really express or know how to talk about because it's the part of you that you were when you were a little girl, when you knew you had a big future. It's a part of you that when you were a little boy that you knew that life was going to be okay. But what happened is you stepped into the rhythm of you being the sole steward of your life. Causing you to forfeit the prophetic side of you that gives you the advantage. It's the side of you that says, well, there's a problem. We need to feed these 5,000. It's a part of you that would answer like Peter would answer and say, well, there's a little boy here with some fish. It's the part of you that Peter instinctively knew to call his partners over when his nets began to break. He didn't have to ask Jesus for permission to do it. He recognized that this is a miracle and I have to maximize it. It's the believer's advantage. It's the part of your mind that makes you know when God's moving. It's, it's the thing that causes you to do something else when God does that. It's not making God do all the work. God, if you just start the fire, I'll work it. It's a part of you that says, God, if you start the fire, I'll work the fire because I know what it means. If you open this door, that means I can get that couch. That means I can get that table. That means I can invite people over. That means I can plan a party. I don't need to ask God for all those details because God's not trying to micromanage his miracle. God's not trying to micromanage his miracle. It's the believer's advantage. It's the part that allows you to leverage victory. When you start realizing that, oh, this means I can choose my own team. Oh, this means that, okay, okay, this means I can't. God would not allow me to get married if I was not able to have kids. The devil is a liar. We, are, we, have the, we have the right to choose to have kids. Period. It's not a, God's not trying to, it's already a miracle that I got married. So if I want children, God's going to give me children. Whether through significance or whether through a solution. The details are up to me. But what I'm not going to do is have God problems because I want him to micromanage something that's in his promise already. I'm going to get creative in the promises of God. I'm going to be like Jonathan. Jonathan said, if they tell us to come up, we coming. Matter of fact, we didn't fast about this. Man, I didn't even ask my dad Saul about this. I snuck away from my father to find out about this. Read the text. He snuck away from his father to do this. Jonathan says this. John says this. We're about to have our own prophetic word. But we're going to include God in it. If they tell us to come up, we have the advantage. What is God telling you that you're not moving on that will give you the advantage over your finances? If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.